Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello. It's Ayers on the Road again, and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We have had our second shot. And we are excited. Um, How come you're always so cheerful on Irons on the Road? We record this early in the morning, and Linda's just so excited and happy and cheerful, and I, it lifts me up. Thank you very much. <laughs> you mean the rest of the time I'm grumpy? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're never... Well, I wouldn't call you grumpy. I'd call you feisty at times. Oh, yeah, I am. I agree. A little bit feisty. I agree, but we are excited to be with you today. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Um, we once in a while meet people who actually are out there. So thank you. We know that there are people, bodies that we're talking to, which is really ears. Nice. There are ears out there that are tuned in to this podcast, and and they're self-selected, Linda. They're people who care about their marriage. They care about their family. They want to do better as parents. They want to do better as marriage partners. They want to have support and empathy and commiseration and maybe we can give them a little of that today uh, hopefully <laughs> you know here's the thing um we're going to talk about something that's on a lot of minds right now at least for the first half of the show and that thing is social media and so many parents that we run into say you know i just i just Social, in, social media is my enemy. My kids are on it all the time. They're distracted. And not only that, I'm distracted. I get hooked. I get addicted. I get on Instagram and I can't get off. Or I start watching a podcast and I'm, I'm missing things that are going on around me in my house. And so much of the content seems to be so anti-family in various ways. Well, good news is on the way, right? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Yes, we the other a couple of years ago we thought what can we do what can we do to make this better what can we do to find the good things on social media and the good things because there are some the there are there are wonderful uh, social media sites whether it's Instagram or whether it's Facebook or whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video or a blog there are wonderful places on the internet that can actually help you with your family, give you great tips, great ideas, let you see into the lives of other parents and other marriages and how they're doing and how they're handling things. But it's like finding a needle in a haystack, Linda. There are so many millions of social media locations. How in the world do you find the ones that really help you? Now, you can search, you can put family-centered social media. You can Google it. You can look everywhere. But it's still a needle in a haystack going through, going through. How do I find the parts well, that are really good? I think it's mostly word of mouth. Um, during the pandemic, we've had so many people who have been listening to podcasts more, at least I'm speaking for us, for us and our family. Um, we are passing around podcasts all the time. It, it just it has to be word or mouth and somebody that you trust and so on but it really is taken up a lot of people's time during this pandemic but wouldn't you like to have a panel of experts go through all the social media and pick out the very very best sites the very most family-centric family-friendly intelligent good ideas 
commonality with other families? Wouldn't you love it if a panel of experts would pick those out and share with you just the best of the best, just the cream of the crop, just the most parenting and marriage oriented sites on all the social media across the board. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be wonderful. Well, guess what? It's happened. <laughs> uh-huh. It's we, happened. We figured out how to do that, and it really has been a wonderful process. Um, last year, we talked about this. You may have heard us say it last year because last year was our first year to do this, and it, it was really fun and really exciting. But let's tell the story a little bit. We, we were lucky enough to meet a really incredible, quite an extraordinary young couple, Mike and Jamie Taylor. And Jamie, for years, has been doing a online seminar for moms called I Am Mom, the I Am Mom Summit. Beautiful work with wonderful speakers. And she was in touch with a lot of the best social media people around the world. And we got together one momentous day with them, two couples, Linda and Richard and Jamie and Mike, and we hit on something and it, it's, it's really changed uh, our lives and hopefully changed some other lives in some ways. The idea was, why aren't there some awards? Why isn't there more recognition for Instagrammers or Facebookers or YouTubers or podcasters who, who do really great work for families, who produce uh, regular shows or posts that are uplifting, that help families, that give ideas and so on. Why doesn't someone recognize them? We have awards for everything. Why isn't there sort of a Grammy Award or an Academy Award, but it's for social media people who help families? And we decided, they decided with our help to just create those awards. And so last year, like you were saying, Linda, was the first year for the Family Is Social Media Awards. And if you want to check it out, and I'm just going to give you this a couple times during the podcast so you'll know it, it's so easy to get to awards.family.is, I-S. I-S is like .com. It'll get you there. Awards.family.is. And what you'll find when you go there is pretty exciting. You'll find that there you're, you're looking at something that says the family is awards and it shows that the award by the way is gorgeous the actual physical award is donated and created by oc tanner probably the biggest award creator in the world it's just gorgeous it's crystal and it is beautiful it is beautiful and heavy and heavy (laughs) you'll see that and then you'll say you'll see that it says recognizing family-centered social media And the first thing you'll see is some of the past winners. So last year, the Instagram winner was Sean Johnson, the former Olympian, who her her Instagram just essentially traces the birth of their first child. She's married to uh, Andrew, who who, uh, Andrew East, who is a NFL football player. They had this beautiful little daughter. And now they're pregnant with their second. They're just the greatest couple. He is ginormous. <laughs> and he is <laughs> and teeny. And she is tiny. <laughs> and then and you get, you'll get the bucket list family who, who wanted a category. And there you may, some of you may follow them already. Garrett and Jessica Gee. They travel all over the world with their three children. But it's family-centered. It's not, it's not preachy. 
but it shows the love and connection between parents and kids. Um, Our tribe of many, oh my gosh, the Moania family is, they were fantastic. The, the fun part for us is that we get to actually talk to them and congratulate them. And they, they have the most beautiful, big, wonderful family. Um, it, it, is, it has been so fun to do this. So if you go to past winners, you'll be able to go to all six of the categories and you'll see who won. And again, the work's been done for you. Uh, a panel of judges has went through literally has thousands, gone through. gone through tens of thousands of, of social media, picked the very best ones. And then there were two ways to win. There's online voting that we're going to tell you about in a minute because we want you to help pick this year's winner. And there's the judges category. So there's a judges winner in Instagram and there's a people's choice or an online voting winner. Same in Facebook, same in each of these areas. So, so this is going on right now. I mean, we have been sorting through, but we have nominations. We've had nominations open. We've tried to do it, advertise that on, uh, on social media and TV and, and print and everywhere we can. But that, that's been narrowed down to 10 in each category. 10 in each category. And here's the, um, right on the front page, again, awards.family.is. And right on the front page, you'll see a little black box that says, it says, People's Choice Voting is now open. So you click that box, and there you'll have your six categories. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcast, blog, and website. So again, and just like you said, Linda, there's 10 finalists that have now been narrowed down so even if you're not wanting to vote, if you just want to see the 10 best Instagram sites that help families and parents, you click on there and it's a ballot and it'll show you all those that are running or that are nominated. And right under each one is a little black box that says vote. So you can vote for the one you like best, or if you're just looking for the best sites, you can click on that one and you can go right into that site and you can see what they're doing. You can see what the ideas are. You can pick your favorites. You can decide which of them you might want to follow as a parent, as a family. And you might be just curious to see if the, one that you, the ones that you love are there and if they aren't, nominate them next year. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> because um, it is really a fun thing. We had such a great time talking to the winners last year. Um, it was a delight to talk to these people who have worked so hard and so long. It really, 5-2 love, this is a couple that had two children and then were unable to get pregnant and then got pregnant with five quints, quintuplets. And, they were such a wonderful couple. It was great to talk to them. So this is fun. This is exciting. We, we hope, hope you'll, you'll all go, go on there. We, yeah. we sound like we're kind of we're kind of um, promoting here. We are. We're promoting this wonderful, completely nonprofit thing. Family or excuse me, awards dot family dot is. And one of the things you ought to do when you go to the site is just click on in the menu where it says past winners. And it'll show you all the ones who won last year, some of which we've just been mentioning. And then right below that, there's a little black box that says, watch the winner's interviews. And this was, 
This is one of the funnest things we did last year, honey. We yeah, were, it was great. We were in Hawaii. We were living in Hawaii at the time. This is a, over a year ago when the winners were were chosen last year for the 2020 Family is Awards. And so we would get online with them uh, on, a, on a FaceTime call and it was all videoed and so you get to see their reactions and it is really a lot of fun. You can click on them, they're little short videos and uh, we announce, we say, hey, good to see you. We're here with some good news and... We, we um, <laughs> have an announcement to make, you've won. Um, it really was a wonderful experience, so we're excited to dive in again. We, we again, we appreciate um, this wonderful couple who have done so much to do this. They really are the workhorses on this. They, they have sorted out. Oh my goodness, Jamie had a new baby this year, and with a new baby in arms, she did all this. Um, Mike is a guru and how to make it happen and how to put it on, uh, on the on the internet and. It, they are just a mark. Let, let's just tell you the winners from uh, last year, um, just quickly, so you'll get kind of a preview, and then you can go and watch our interviews with each of them if you want. So the winner last year for uh, the best Instagram was Sarah and Solo Moanya. And the best. Our tribe of many. The uh, second winner for best Instagram was Alec Lace, First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, those are podcasts. You just you just read the winners for podcasts, and the best Instagram, as we mentioned, was oh, Sean Johnson and the, and the Bucket List family. Then the best blog was uh, Jennifer Bourget. and the best Facebook Skyler and Jamie Scott. Best website Liz Heaps and Liz Edmonds. The food nannies, and then the judges' winners were the best uh, YouTube was Crosby Family. You they're many of you wonderful. Know them. Yeah. Best podcast. Rachel Nielsen, thirty and three and thirties. Best yeah. website. Uh, Dina Alexander. Educate and empower your kids. The best blog. Uh, Becky Mansfield, your modern family. Best Instagram, Ralphie Jacobs, simply on purpose. And right. The best Facebook. Kristen Duke, capturing joy. So there's the winners last year, funneled down from thousands, and there for you, available for you to go and look at, and then this year's, available for you to vote on right now. So we hope you're as excited as we are, obviously, and we really appreciate your taking a look at this and being involved. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road. We are um, just getting I'm down from a high from talking about <laughs> talking about those fun winners and that great experience last year. Uh, we didn't mention the judges. We have twenty two oh, yeah, yeah. judges. Twenty six. Twenty six judges that go through all of these and come up with their idea of the best one and so um we hope that you'll just take a look at it and by the way linda the judges for this year's award this is the second annual family is awards and some of the judges for this year are the winners from last year that's true they didn't know what they were getting into when they won yeah. the <laughs> award we said here's this nice award 
All you have to do now is go through thousands of other sites and be a judge for next <laughs> well, year. Well, not thousands, but a lot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we appreciate them very much. No, we, we've got this Jamie. I want to sing the praises again of Jamie and Mike Taylor. They and some of their staff are really the ones that basically gets it down to 10 finalists in each category. And then it's the judges who go through those 10 in each one and pick the winner. But, but again, the other winners, People's Choice winners, you can pick them. So one last plug, go to awards.family.is and do some voting. Vote for your own social media favorites. Help choose the winners. And so good luck. Now, for the second half of the show, we want to address something we know is on a lot of your minds. What is this pandemic doing to our children? And there's some scary things going on, and we want to make a couple of suggestions to you. Let us read you just a little bit from an article that appeared this week on one of our favorite websites, which is, the, which is our friend, our good friend, Bradford Wilcox Institute of Family Studies. And this is something that was written by a wonderful um, psychologist and a parent guidance expert named Erica Komisar. And we want to pose the problem and then give you a couple of suggestions. Uh, She's saying, last week a troubling New York Times piece highlighted the increase in teens who are having thoughts of suicide and engaging in self-harm with one mother of a high school-aged boy who recently began cutting himself, sharing the social isolation over all this time, it just got to him. Whoa, a CDC report from November reported that the proportion of mental health-related visits for children ages 5 to 11 and 12 to 17 uh, increased approximately 24% and 31% respectively since 2019. So she says, this is consistent with what I'm seeing in my role as a therapist in New York City. I'm flooded with requests from families who believe their children are in psychological crisis because my office is at capacity. I do everything I can to provide these families with a referral. As I search for a suitable therapist, I hear, I'm sorry, I'm full, or I have a three-month waiting list. With the uptick of mental health issues due to the pandemic, including anxiety, depression, and resulting behaviors like distractibility, impulsivity, and suicidal thinking, children and teenagers are at risk. But what she's, the question she's posing is, is this ADHD, is this permanent mental illness, or is this just a temporary stress that is induced by the pandemic? Let's go on and read a little more. The increasing need for mental health care due to the stress of schools being closed down, isolation at home, and the abnormal pressure to learn remotely has sent some children, teens, and their families into a tailspin. But the important question is what kinds of behavior could be related to the stresses of the pandemic, but not necessarily signs of a pervasive mental illness. See, yeah, that's, that's, a a, that's not, yeah. not necessarily, which things are not necessarily signs of some pervasive mental illness that parents are completely overwrought about. Right. And her next comment is, um, how should we address these behaviors to prevent them from becoming chronic illnesses? And she does say it's unnatural for a child to sit in front of a Zoom session for hour after hour. We have a grandchild who 
just can't do it. Yeah, well, and that's, you're right on, Linda, because, and she's, she says that next here. The problem is schoolwork is meant to be felt safe, stimulating, engaging, competence building this year during COVID-19 provoked an acute stress response in some children and adolescents. The diagnose, diagnosis of ADHD or distractibility in these cases is not only inappropriate and inaccurate, but harmful to the children and their families. And we've run into oh. that, haven't we? Par- parents <coughs> saying, oh my gosh, the pandemic, forget it causing COVID, it's caused my children to become ADHD. Yes, or mentally ill. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's created a lot of mental stress. There is no doubt about it. And so, in a way, we want to put your minds at ease and, and suggest that this is a, this pandemic is temporary and some of these symptoms that it's causing in your children are temporary. But that doesn't mean there aren't things parents can do about it. Right, we've right, got to exactly. Quit putting, we've got to, as a parent, you need to quit putting additional stress on your kids and understand, we just need a little empathy. We need to understand this is hard. It's hard for you as an adult to do Zoom learning all the time. I mean, how distracted are you? How distracted are we, Linda, when we're trying to do a Zoom call to give a speech as opposed to doing right. it in person? Right, I mean, it's hard enough to stay on task when you have a teacher standing right in front of you. But when you have your favorite book sitting right next to you, um, you know, or you're in the kitchen child, and you're hungry, or, or you're... yeah, exactly, you just are not going to stay there. And I, I did uh, tend these kids one day. There were three of them. Two of them were online. One, uh, the little little boy was just sitting there quietly listening to the teacher. But this little daughter, oh my goodness! <laughs> and you, if you know her personality, you know she just cannot sit in front of a screen. I mean, it, unless it's cartoons. Yeah. You know. Yeah, then she'll sit there forever. <laughs> it is really amazing that uh, I watched her, and she was. I, every time I'd go back, she was back with the book that she was reading. I mean, she's. She's a first grader and she's can read like crazy and it's just too hard. It's too hard for her to be distracted by this thing that doesn't seem to have an pl- application to her life when she could be reading this book, you know. So um, it really is has been a crazy time. But w- I think her point is great. I mean, this child is not permanently mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be able to get past this. And I, I'm, not, I'm not laughing because I know there are some really serious things there, but... But it is true that sometimes we think my child is never going to be the same, and actually they will, they'll acclimate back to it and the world becomes normal, if it ever does. It's, it sounds like an oversimplification, but the answer for parents in most of these cases is just have more empathy. Try to put yourself in the place of that child and you'll understand why this pandemic and the remote learning and not being able to go to school and having all these things that seem uh, foreign and hard and distractible. It's, it's easy to, if you really work at it, you can see why kids are as stressed as they are. Well, I like what she says. If we replace judgment of children's limited ability to tolerate frustration, disconnection, social, isola- social isolation with understanding, empathy, and adaption to their needs, then we can prevent these acute stress responses from beginning chronic mental illness. I In other really words, she like acknowledges that. Yeah. that if that if you if you double down on it, if you get overwrought, if you start being too firm with these children and insisting they do things they're not capable of mentally, 
then it can indeed lead to some kind of mental illness, but it doesn't have to. It's not a foregone conclusion that temporary systems of acute stress are going to develop into some kind of deep anxiety, depression, or ADHD. So essentially... So really, she's suggesting this. By reducing the time, you have to be online, or they have to be online, increasingly, increasing the intervals between online classes, making their activities more fun, playful, and engaging, and reducing or eliminating homework during this stressful time. We can adapt to their needs rather than pushing them up against their defenses. So the bottom line, what, what she's really saying, which we totally agree with, is lighten up a little, parents. Lighten yeah. up. I know some of you are, the schools are finally open. We've been in Hawaii, and honestly, for two months that we've been there, January, February, uh, we the schools were closed, and finally they were just rejoicing they got to go for one day. And then, just as we were leaving, they were going to go two days. And, and really, on Maui, we were on Maui, there were between 5 and 20 new cases out of 168,000 people there. And they were ultra, ultra um, closed down, uh, which seems strange. But um, in hindsight, they were doing the best they could so, so I, I, love, I love her conclusion here. The problem in our society is that the fir at the first sign of distress in children, many educators, pediatricians, and even some psychiatrists want to medicate away children's pain. There have been a lot of kids put on medication during this pandemic right? just because they're stressed, and, and they should be stressed. The, the situation stresses them. And she's worried about this over-medicating. And, uh, you know, rather than getting to the bottom of, of it through talk and play therapy and working through conflicts and having empathy and finding the, the root cause. So she also says medication should be a last resort for children and adolescents, not a first step, except in extreme crisis. And even then, it should be a bridge to understanding our children, not the solution. So I, we love this. We're glad we can share this with you. So bottom line, by understanding the pandemic-induced stress children are under, and by showing empathy rather than judgment and punishment, parents and teachers and pediatricians can avoid mislabeling anxiety, depression, and ADHD. You know, we've been in a cave for so long with this pandemic. I mean, it feels like a cave, really, in a lot of ways. And I think, and when we get past it, we'll look back on it thinking, oh, that was, that was a year that was from heck. But it really taught me a lot. There are a lot of things that we're learning from this pandemic. But I think sometimes when we're right in the middle of the puddle it's re or the mud, it's really hard to see past and to, uh, to realize that we'll be able to look back and realize this was just a glitch in history that hopefully won't happen again. You never know, but it has been a year of misery for a lot of people. So thanks to Erica Komazar and to the Institute for Family Studies for that insight today. And again, just to review back, this has been a fun day, Linda. We, we split this show into two, and the first half was all about awards.family.is. Go on there. Take a minute. Do some voting. Look around. Find some social media sites that really help you and that entertain you and that, that make you feel like your problems are normal. 
in a family. Right. <laughs> That's and, what know, a lot of these social media influencers do. They they show you their own family. And you're like, oh, maybe mine's not so bad. <laughs> well, and take advantage of this time. We have two daughters who are actively blogging still. Our our second daughter, Shawnee, at seventy one toes dot com, and then our youngest daughter, who's is stuck in London, locked down still, with a three-year-old, two-year-old, and twins, and she has somehow managed to do a fabulous blog, and it's called Right Now, W-R-I-G-H-T, that's her last name, Right, right now. now. But, you know, I mean, we we think the best blogs are our own daughters, obviously, but the judges went through <laughs> thousands and got it down. So go on awards.family.is, and secondly, our other challenge is, remember, your kids are stressed right now, but it doesn't mean they have ADHD or need to be medicated in most cases. In most cases. Good luck with that. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Eyes on the Road. Bye-bye.